0: welcome to D-Therapy Space. I'm Sienna and I'm Ronnie and welcome back. So thank you for tuning in and listening to episode six. We are now on our seventh episode and we have a surprise guest today who is Louisa Webster. She is a drama therapist and we will be talking about incorporating animals into drama therapy. Uh, Many of you may have known it to be a type of animal assisted therapy. So I think, Ronnie, you actually were on placement with Louisa to begin with, wasn't you? Yes,
1: yeah, so that's how I met Louisa. She was my first, one of my first placement managers when I was training and she was incredibly supportive helped me through everything and actually allowed me to come back to the service and support the young people that we were working with after I graduated which allowed me to actually take the job over and it was honestly one of the best experiences honestly it was such a lovely place to work and because I was working with young people that I already knew it felt like we had such amazing sort of therapeutic relationship already built and it's just so wonderful when I think back to my first ever drama therapy job I always think back to Louisa who was always there to support me and I just I cannot explain how happy I am that she's come on today and we're going to get to listen to her and also just for our listeners there is a dog involved there is and she's a beautiful beautiful little sausage dog called Mabel that I'm sure Louisa is going to be talking about for the whole episode but if we hear some woofs in the background or some scratches at the door please don't worry because she obviously knows that we're talking about her so she's (laughs) going to want to be involved. So without further ado, let's welcome Louisa. Hey, hey. Thank you so
2: much. That was a really lovely introduction. And yes, thank you for mentioning that you might hear some snuffles. Um, it's not me. Um, I think Mabel is very aware that we're talking about canine therapy today and feels that it's important to be part of the conversation.
1: Definitely. <laughs>
2: so yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to chat a little bit more about animal assisted therapy and canine therapy in particular and how it can support our work as drama therapists because it wasn't something that was ever covered for me in training I don't know about for either of you two no it, it just wasn't a world that I had thought about and it wasn't something that I believed could feasibly work day-to-day and now that I am doing it I feel really passionate about sharing the benefits of this work and helping people see that it might be more accessible than they realise.
1: And we're so excited to hear all about that but maybe first you could share a little bit about your drama therapy journey and actually what led you to then want to work with animals especially dogs.
2: Of course yes. so I qualified as a drama and movement therapist in 2014 feels like a long time ago now. And then I think like most people, I left the training with this passion for drama therapy and this belief that the whole world would have a huge passion for (laughs) drama therapy and that everyone would understand it. And when you first leave the training, the experience can be quite difficult. It can be quite lonely because you've been with a group of people who are as passionate about drama therapy as you are. And then you go into the world and people don't really know what it is. A lot of the time people would say, oh, so you're a therapist for actors. That's so cool. <laughs> um, and I'd try to say, no, I'm actually trying to utilize dramatic practice to help people's emotional well-being and mental health. And people's eyes would widen and go, oh, so you're trying to make anxious people perform. "Oh, No, yes. that's not what I'm do." <laughs> um, so at the beginning, it, it felt like quite a tricky thing. And that's one of the reasons that I really loved having you join me, Veronica, as a placement student, because once I started getting jobs, I felt like it was so important to support the people who were coming fresh out of training. Yeah. I realise that there was this fabulous community around and there were really interesting ways of working. Mm. And I'll go on to talk a bit more about it. So now I work full-time with children, but when I first qualified, I thought all I wanted to do was work with adults Um, and the very first job I got I was incredibly lucky somebody actually found me on the back of the website and saw that I was local to their service and it was a mother and children's refuge and I went and I worked there and supported the young people who were living in really incredibly difficult conditions having fled their homes and living secretively and a lot of them English as a second language and This is where drama and movement therapy came in to its, for me anyway, outside of training its first fantastic form because I was able to use movement, nonverbal communication, puppets and play to help these very distressed little people. And I suddenly went, oh, maybe maybe I would like to work with kids. So then Mm. that's how I went on to do the placement that Veronica joined me with, which was, working with young people with autism and also their siblings to provide a support group for their brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. And I was working more and more in different creative ways and my partner and I ended up supporting a friend of ours who was a nurse well still is a nurse one of our amazing NHS front workers throughout this pandemic and we started helping her look after her three dogs two of which are sausage dogs and one is a lovely cabochon. And I was thinking, gosh, wouldn't it be fun if I could take one of the dogs into work just sort of one day a week. And at this point, I'd started working for a therapeutic school as the lead therapist of the primary site. So that's what I'm doing now. I've been there for the last two years. I was really lucky that the management were very open to the idea. So I started taking in a little sausage dog called Dougie, originally on our family's days, which is the term where we invite the families in to meet with the staff. And I thought, well, this will be a fun opportunity to see how the children respond to having a dog at school, see how the staff respond. And it became very, very popular. Everyone was delighted to have this little thing trotting around school, having cuddles. (laughs) And I just thought, wow, I wonder if this can be more regular. So it went from being sort of once a term to then, luckily, my friend, she's incredibly generous in all sorts of ways. And she said, of course, you can have Dougie one day a week. So he started joining us every Friday. And what I noticed was that not only were the pupils incredibly excited for Fridays, but so were the staff. And... Mm. The well-being of the whole site began to improve on a Friday. The children that I work with unfortunately have experienced a lot of trauma and do you know the expression ACEs? Adverse childhood experiences?
1: Yeah.
2: So that can range from all sorts of things from abuse to neglect to complications in the family home. So most of the children who come to my therapeutic school, have got quite high ACE scores Mm. and experienced a huge amount of trauma. And they're kind of either still living with toxic stress or have experienced a lot of toxic stress. So inviting play and gentleness and calm into the school is a really important thing. And I noticed that Dougie was doing that, the emotional escalation wasn't as high as the other days of the week the physical outbursts were not as high as the rest of the week and the rapport between the staff and the children seemed the most positive on a Friday when Dougie was there so yeah I really felt that this was something to get excited about as we entered into the pandemic the silver lining for me was that there was somebody at home and this then afforded us the opportunity to get our own puppy and as lovely synchronistic stuff would work you know how it is in, <laughs> in the therapeutic world sort of perhaps unconsciously I'd been begging for it for a long time because this puppy sort of appeared in my life I, I saw these this litter of puppies and I contacted the family who had the puppies and they said to me that both the mum and the dad dog had done therapy dog work. The lady who had the litter was an ex social worker and had a fantastic understanding of trauma, global developmental delay, the need for positive touch and unconditional positive regard. And she said, Well, let me see if any of these puppies seems to have the right qualities. you and a few days later I received a picture of Mabel and I was sold like that (laughs) Um, and she came home with with the aim of coming to work with me full time so I again I was very lucky the management at work were incredibly supportive having seen how positive Dougie was at school so I first brought her in In the July of last year when she was only, I think, what, three months old and she met the kids. And I felt very excited to give these children an opportunity of having a puppy, something very small, something very vulnerable, something that they could be a part of growing and developing and I guess have some autonomy and ownership and feel that they were a part of the growth of this dog and helping Mabel feeling safe at school.
0: Can I just ask, so um, in terms of you, when you bring Mabel into school... Yeah. Is it, in, is it in therapy or is it in the classrooms? How is she integrated into it?
2: Yeah, of course. So what it started off as was just Mabel predominantly being in the therapy room when she was really young because... I didn't feel comfortable at that point leaving her in the class without me. So she would come into the therapy space. I'd say most of the children wanted her there. Occasionally they didn't. And if they didn't want her in the space, I'd leave her in the office. And now as the months have gone on and there's a much better kind of collective understanding from all of the pupils at school as to how we help Mabel feel safe, I'll now quite often leave her in classrooms without me. Mm. In a way, she's become an extension of the containment and the therapeutic support that the children feel from me. They'll quite often want me to stay in class, and I can't. I can't be in all of the classes all of the time. However, I can leave Mabel, and it's been amazing to see the difference it will make to their engagement with learning. So, for example, something like phonics, which um, a lot of our children find really difficult and they have lots of negative experiences from their previous settings. In their other schools, they've been told that they're naughty, that they're not clever enough. Quite often they'll then be segregated from the other children in their class and put into isolation or detentions and things and there's so much shame that becomes internalized and associated with learning and positive risk-taking that you need to academically achieve. The children don't feel safe enough to do that a lot of the time. So by leaving Mabel in the class, she helps them feel safe enough to access their learning. But she can also help them in therapy as well. So sometimes when the children first come to the therapy space, like I know I did when I first entered um, drama therapy settings, It feels a bit unnerving to be kind of asked to move your body in slightly different ways or to express yourself in a way that you're not used to by using Mabel to try on different characters. And it might be that that means Mabel is playing a baby at the doctor's today and the children want to dress Mabel up as a baby and stick a dummy in her mouth. I'm very lucky. She's incredibly accommodating. (laughs) And I guess that's something that I should mention now. I'm going to talk a lot about the positive things about canine therapy and dog assisted therapy it's really important to note that the character of the dog plays a huge part in yeah. whether it would be appropriate to take a, a dog into any kind of work setting yeah. it needs to be a dog that isn't anxious that their behavior is predictable and that was one of the really important things for me about taking Mabel in as early as I did, when she was only four months old, Mm. so that she didn't feel alarmed by a radiator being kicked or a, a chair being picked up, things like
1: that.
0: I would also like to kind of ask about the attachment, because I'm guessing that Mabel would have had to have a really good attachment style with, you know, the mother, and as well as yourself, and how that can almost transpire into the attachment that the children you work with have, or have had.
2: Absolutely so this is one of the reasons I feel like it was synchronistic and a little bit meant to be with getting Mabel because the home that she came from was just if you're thinking about attachment and security and safe lovely environments I couldn't have asked for a better place for her to spend the first 12 weeks of her life she was surrounded by a really busy family grandchildren so she had lots of cuddles she was introduced to the noises that children make from a very young age being handled to different people so I was really really lucky with that the first 12 weeks before you can bring a dog home you don't really know a lot of the time what kind of environment they're in whereas the breeder I got was in communication all the time and sent me pictures all the time and allowed us to go and visit in the garden which we were really lucky to do. So. I had a sense that she would sort of have quite a contained and secure attachment when she came to us to begin with. And then at home, we aided that by, we carried her a lot in a puppy sling to get her used to noises because you can't often put them down. In fact, I've got the dates wrong there. So she came home at eight weeks, but it's 12 weeks until they're allowed to start walking on the pavement and things like that. And that's just because they have to have certain jabs to make sure that they don't get infections. Yeah. To make sure she felt really comfortable with noises. So I would carry her around in a puppy sling a lot. So she'd get used to the train because we travel into central London every day on the train. Mm. So she'd get used to those noises. And then it was, I guess, the case of being quite... Mindful that while she was a dog and she enjoyed playing, that when I started taking her to school, she still got respite time. So I'd still take her to the office to make sure that she could rest because, just like the children, if she gets overstimulated and overworked, her behaviors are going to become unpredictable. And that's why it's been such a lovely learning experience for the children because. As I touched on, their self-esteem is really low when they wow. come to us quite often as a therapeutic placement. We are one of the last places a local authority will place a child, typically because of funding. So mm. by the time they get to us, they normally had several exclusions and the self-esteem is really low. And they come just believing they are inherently bad and that they can't learn things and that they're not good enough. And what I've been able to model with them with Mabel is that Mabel isn't one of these adults who you believe, as adults, we all know, especially as therapists, we've done a lot of work to be the adults that we are. But I think for children, they look at adults and they just assume, but you've just got it together. You're just an adult and you can just do it. Mm. And... It's hard for me to prove that i can't do it sometimes because it would never be appropriate for me to show those other sides of my personality at work but with mabel i can say well you know mabel has to learn not to bite people mabel has to learn even you know for some of our children using the loo and things mabel needs to learn how to appropriately use the toilet she needs to learn that when she's overexcited. And she's starting to bark that she needs to listen to me when I use my gentle voice and I encourage her to calm down and oh. I stroke her. So she's been a really fantastic way for them to go, oh, so you're not just born being able to do everything. It's not just me who's silly and I'm not clever enough. It's that you can learn things and that we can become safer. And she's been able to provide that Them in a way that as adults we can't because the reason our pupils are with us are because of these adverse childhood experiences, which means on some level they have not had consistent and reliable adults. So, even if they come to a school whereby we're all using a therapeutic approach and we're being as consistent as we can with them, they will come with a huge amount of mistrust and they will push boundaries to see. Can we contain them? You know, how long until you send me away? How long mm-hmm. before you tell me that I'm not good enough? There is this mistrust in adults, and rightly so. Our brains are really clever things. When we've spent our early years feeling threatened or scared, we adapt our behaviors to make ourselves feel safe, to make ourselves feel in control. And whilst the children might come to school and initially not trust me as an adult or another adult in the school because we represent authority and unpredictability, they can trust Mabel. Mm. And I see Mabel as this fantastic bridge of building therapeutic rapport because she embodies unconditional positive regard, which kind of underpins the therapeutic approach of my school dogs do provide unconditional positive regard that is why I guess to use the phrase man's best friend throughout the centuries we've used animals to kind of support us and I think that she has really really aided the relationship building at school for all staff and particularly myself as a therapist.
1: Gosh Mabel sounds like an incredible sort of a therapist I just want to say that I'm starting to get jealous of her ability to do all those things and I had to go for training um, but you know like it sounds like you definitely had the right dog and I think what you pointed out before is definitely so important we can always want dogs to do the best for us and that's why we have them as pets and that's why we have them at home but unless we actually know that the personalities are completely right we can't exactly trust them with the most vulnerable people and bringing them into the therapeutic space as therapists is a risk that's on us at the end of the day if anything happens we've got a little dog that we then have to be responsible for and make sure that you know whatever they do is is safe and okay and there's so much more risk assessing that needs to be done. Yeah
2: that's something important to mention that I obviously had managerial support but we also put in place risk assessments and I have got both Mabel and Dougie on my own personal liability insurance as a therapist. Um, Because whilst I have utmost faith in them, the same, like any person, any animal, given an environment or a situation that feels unsafe enough, they might behave in an unpredictable way. It is very important for anyone considering animal assisted therapy that they check with their own personal liability insurance. It would be slightly different if somebody is interested in getting perhaps a therapy dog into their school to visit, then those organisations and their volunteers normally have their own insurance policy attached to it. And that would be something I'd really encourage to someone listening to this. If they work in an educational setting or any kind of residential setting, even not just children, any ages, There's a wonderful charity called Pets as Therapy. You might have heard of them referred to as pat dogs. And they go in and support in all sorts of environments, even prisons as well. I know that that's an area of interest. And they'll train up volunteers and their dogs to go into places for one or two hours a week sometimes I wasn't able to go down that route with Mabel because I work full-time at a school so it was kind of up to me to take on that responsibility of the insurance and making sure that she was behaving in a safe enough manner to be working
1: there Mm -hmm. so you said Mabel has been working with the children since July so it's Wow it's almost been a year gosh we're so close to the end of the academic year already and I know that means that majority of the work that she's done has been during the pandemic do you feel like because I absolutely know that you know especially your school and other special schools haven't been closed during the pandemic staff have been going in they have been those key workers you know And they have been supporting the children who are most vulnerable, who who haven't been able to stay at home, whose parents maybe are frontline workers and can't afford to keep them at home and to take care of them. So I guess there's all the added pressure of the pandemic on top of the already really, really vulnerable state in which the children are in. And I guess I'm just wondering if you've noticed, I mean, it's probably hard to notice a difference because at the moment, Mabel has only been working during the pandemic, but I guess noticing how having her in during those really really difficult times especially for the staff who have almost a better awareness of what's going on and and their own sort of lives are a little bit struck by the pandemic how having Mabel in has been
2: thank you for sort of naming that because I feel that there's been all so many conversations and the narrative of being schools have been closed schools have been closed and that just hasn't been the case for so many yeah. SEMH schools the government guidance was that schools stay open for vulnerable children and nearly all children who attend a special school come under that category because they have EHCP status so we haven't closed at all which at the beginning I think there was part of me going what (laughs) everyone else just gets to coach at home and obviously this was before i realized the enormity of the situation and how long this was going to go on for and from a personal stance i feel very grateful to have still had the structure and the routine of work and also not to be worried about my clients because i've still been able to see them and Mm. check in on them from a safeguarding perspective and a mental health perspective We know that a huge issue following this pandemic is children's mental health and the mental health of the children at my school was already so vulnerable. I feel really proud that we've remained open and been able to keep supporting them. In terms of what that's meant for having Mabel there, I think that being allowed to still have forms of touch has been very, very important for everyone's mental health Mm. the last year. Our skin is the largest organ of our body. People don't often think about skin as an organ, but it is. And touch is so important to developmental progression, to emotional well-being, to feeling like you've got relationships with people. And all of a sudden, the message was, don't touch. Mm. Don't touch anybody. And... Collectively, as an unconscious, you know, I felt that everyone was so scared of each other. And whilst, of course, we had to obtain some social distancing in school and be as safe as we could, the reality was we had to remain open and we couldn't not be anywhere near each other. We had to be near each other sometimes. And Mabel allowed us all, I think, to feel safe with touch because for the staff and myself included, It was quite a weird experience thinking, right, so I can travel into central London and I can work all day with my colleagues and my clients, but I can't go and see my mum. I can't go and see my, my best friends. And it felt difficult. And that's me knowing that I had more social interaction than most people have had. So for the staff and the pupils, I think having Mabel there to hold was I don't think I've got enough words to to say how it's been this last year that there's been something safe and soft to touch
1: Mm. and not
2: only to kind of just lighten the mood because she's cute because who doesn't well most people are quite delighted by the sight of a small dog not everybody I get that um, but not just because she's cute but because the actual act of touch and what that does to our nervous system and how it can calm the heart rate you know in some places I've, I've worked in the past when you say you're a drama and movement therapist and you talk about therapeutic touch that like, oh no no we can't have any touch this child's experienced some form of abuse or neglect and you know when you touch them it can provoke unsafe behaviours and whilst I I do understand that and touch must always be mindful and therapeutic and consensual if we as therapists are not modelling safe touch to our clients how on earth are they going to know for themselves what their boundaries are with touch Mm. and then also how to be safe with touch with other people there's a lot of very important conversations happening at the moment about consent. And I think that, again, Mabel is adding to those conversations because they know that there's certain parts of Mabel's body that they shouldn't touch her on because it irritates her. And they know that they can't just sneak up and grab her. Mm. They need to create eye contact, make sure that Mabel is comfortable with them. And she can model that in a way that, again, as adults, it's either not appropriate for us to... Or we just, you know, during the pandemic, it, we couldn't. We couldn't sort of touch in the same way that we were or necessarily offer hugs the way we might have done before, but Mabel still could.
0: Yeah, I think just listening to you, I'm absolutely blown away by what comes out of incorporating animals into therapy. It sounds amazing, and I feel like I'm already in a therapeutic zone, just kind of imagining it all. And, um, I can definitely see the benefits and how it can definitely support, especially those who have had a troubled upbringing and have struggled with their emotions and and attachments. And yeah, having somebody or a, a dog and animal there to sort of support them and get through and learn things in a different way, because I think essentially that's definitely what they're doing. They're learning how to do things, but in a completely different way to the kind of system
2: it surprised me as a, as a long term dog lover. I've always believed that it could be a cool way to work and a powerful way to work. Mm. However, the, the difference it has made has shocked me because I can have conversations now with some of the children I work with whereby if I said that it would make an adult feel a certain way they don't really have the theory of mind or the trust to kind of be able to go oh I don't know how I feel about that impact that happens on the adult however they do really really care about Mabel they care about wanting her to feel safe they Mm -hmm. want me to leave her in the classroom and in doing that it then in turn develops the theory of mind because it means that we can have shared play in a way that they might not have been willing to do more and we can kind of zone in on non communication mm. in a different way which as well is another really important part of development and apart from anything she provides a lot of fun um, yeah. a lot a lot of the children I work with they can be very low in their spirits they can feel quite depressed and quite defeatist and I can go, oh, well, should we play this game or should we make some, some slime or something like that? And if they're in a really low mood, there's there's nothing. You know, we know when we're feeling low, there's not really much that people can offer sometimes to make us feel better. We just need to sit in that sadness sometimes. Mm-hmm. And. Mabel provides a very safe way to sit in sadness she will lie down and cuddle the children while I read them both a story or she might build a den with the children and just cuddle up and make them feel safe in a way that as an adult because I represent to the children adults <laughs> even though I don't always feel like an adult <laughs> I am part of that system of people who are bigger and stronger and more powerful and Mabel isn't even for our smallest children because we're primary site she's still smaller than all of them and they are trusted with her to hold her and to be responsible and in doing that they then realize oh maybe I am trustworthy maybe I am safe maybe I can be safe and then I can say Thank you, thank you so much, look how calm Mabel is. I can uh, see that Mabel's chest is going slowly up and down and that means Mabel is taking deep breaths and that means she feels calm. Because uh, a lot of the time, my, you know, myself included when I was little, you don't know physiologically what's happening. When you go into these moments of feeling upset or angry and your heart race speeds up and your palms get sweaty, you don't know that that's a physiological response to stress and with Mabel I can say to the children well actually if Mabel starts panting it means that she needs more oxygen because she's trying to breathe more because she's feeling overwhelmed this is obviously not when she's just run around playing tennis ball (laughs) but Uh if she's kind of appearing stress I can point out what's happening to Mabel's body and say and this is what happens to our bodies as well and Again, I promise you that I wasn't just born with these skills, or no adults were just born with these skills. We have to work the same way we have to learn how to read and write and use art materials and play on our PlayStation, all the way we have to learn those skills. We also need to learn how to recognize what's happening in our body to build our resilience and to help us feel safe. And... I can't really point that out in my own body the same way I can with Mabel's. And purely because they don't really care about my body (laughs) the same way they care about Mabel's.
0: Yeah. Um, I can also see, for some reason, I've got the word fear in my head as well. And I could see how their fear could be lessened and diminished almost by using Mabel. So, for example... I could almost imagine them really using these tools in everyday life. So for example, if somebody was fearful of dogs and they now have a dog in their therapeutic area whilst at school, when they're in the parks, you know, they may be able to then observe other dogs and see what the other dogs are either needing or what they're doing or rather than just being very fearful of, oh my gosh, there's a dog over there and it's barking and I need to run in the opposite direction. And just maybe previous fears that they've had of dogs maybe other altercations or you know I can just really see how that can support in everyday life with other things and other animals as well.
2: Absolutely we have had a a couple of pupils who were a bit scared to begin with and it's just been another excellent opportunity to work very therapeutically with the children and go hey I know I'm an adult and I represent lots of things that you don't trust and you probably don't like but I'm not just going to shove this dog into your arms I'm not going to let this dog just bark at you I'm going to tell my dog to respect you and I'm going to tell my dog that actually that you're not ready to be jumped at and kissed on the face right now and I'm going to tell her to respect that and it's been a powerful part of the relationship building and then because it's done with them rather than to them I never say to them you have to like this dog it's if you want to get to know Mabel, you can and I can support you with that in different ways. And because it's a process that's done with them rather than to them, they then overall, thus to date, they have all become very, very fond of her. And that fear response has gone. And you're completely right, because I have been to the park and stuff with them. And there were children who in the past, they might see a dog and just run in the other direction. And now they'll know that. That's a dog and that dog's with an owner and that owner is responsible for the dog and the likelihood of a dog coming over and causing them any harm is really low. And my favorite thing is when they give each other tips now on how to look after Mabel. They say, Oh no, <laughs> this, is, this is how you hold Mabel, you need to make sure you're supporting her neck and they take a real interest in all of her well being, you know, they want to know how her teeth are doing mm. and how her puppy hair's growing and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, the fear is a really interesting point because I perhaps naively expected at the beginning that they would all automatically like her and there were a couple of kids who were scared and that's been a really important therapeutic journey, aiding yeah. to to not feel scared. And it has changed their outlook on animals in general. And even when it comes to bugs and things, I think that there's more of a respect for all the animals that they see out and about now and their empathy, their empathy has developed hugely, predominantly because they want to be empathetic towards the dog, but then as in turn, it Mm. then transpires outside of the therapy room, and they become more empathetic towards each other, and towards themselves, and towards the staff, and when there's empathy, you can then build resilience, and then overall, you can be more contained, and safer, and that's my my dream for the kids that I work with. Of course, I, it would be great for them to get qualifications that support them in what they want to do. But for me, qualifications don't mean that much if you can't regulate yourself and you can't make yourself feel safe and you are surrounding yourself with people that don't make you feel that way. What I'm hoping is that with their relationship with me and the other staff and with Mabel, that we are role modeling positive relationships. And that means having your boundaries respected. That means feeling contained, feeling safe, feeling respected, and that then they can go and seek those relationships going forward and be happy adults.
1: I was just really mindful of your, you sharing Mabel's experiences as, as this amazing working dog therapist. Um, and it sounds like she is able to really help pupils that maybe can't access therapy just yet and maybe in a way sort of like you've mentioned she's an extension of you the children who do come into the therapy space and get to have her in that therapeutic relationship is a little bit different to maybe the pupils who are not necessarily ready for therapy just yet but who still get to have that extension of the therapeutic process by you being able to leave them in the classroom and it sounds like everything that you've just said is amazing and really represents like how much mabel is able to support children who maybe are not able to access therapy but i'm wondering if you could share a little bit more about obviously without too much detail about what happens in the therapy space and how mabel can actually support the children who do access her through the therapy and how the drama therapy can be linked with the stuff that mabel does i know you've mentioned the the roles and sometimes they're wanting to like dress her up and playing and that's gorgeous I'm wondering also about what you've mentioned about the projections when they feel like they're bad or they're shamed and I'm wondering if that is ever brought into the space when Mabel is there and if you could just share a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah so those are definitely themes that are really prominent in the therapy room and I think that a lot of the time the main way I utilize Mabel to sometimes challenge those feelings of I am the worst I am awful no one likes me is to go well I'm just wondering if Mabel would feel comfortable sitting on your lap if you were x y and z Mm. and I don't know if she would feel safe to feel in the room if if you were always x y and z Mm. so she can actually be quite a non-threatening way to challenge some of these maladaptive very negative self-expressive thoughts that the children have as you mentioned the role she has played many different characters in the therapy room which is always really fun for the kids I think that as I said I've lucked out with her in terms of her personality she's a very agreeable dog and that might just be because I've been dressing her up (laughs) (laughs) in my free time Um, when it's been locked down I have found that dressing her up in little outfits has been quite a mood booster for myself and the kids have enjoyed it as well so with the character work it can be really interesting if we talk about kind of the safety of trying on different roles and as I've named the pupils I work with are only primary age so even the idea of just playing a character when you've never had shared play or even consistent one-to-one adult attention sometimes Even the idea of doing that can feel very exposing and make the children feel very vulnerable. So it might be just to start off with, I might tell stories and ask them to choose some stuff with Mabel to set up the scene or to set up the story so that it kind of takes that central focus off them, especially for children who might have a diagnosis within the umbrella of autism. They might have something like pathological demand avoidance and being told to do something even if it's an encouraging way can be incredibly anxiety inducing so Mabel can almost become this transitional object of I wonder if you and Mabel could explore the space or if Mabel might be able to find Mm. and it takes away that pressure of Louisa is expecting me to do something so she yeah she can really support in lots of different ways in making the children understand that the therapeutic space is theirs for a lot of them they don't trust me at the start when I say you know this is our working agreement and this is your therapeutic space they don't trust it they're kind of thinking well when are you gonna tell me that I can't come here or when are you going to tell me that I'm not allowed to touch this toy or when Mm -hmm. are you going to tell me off for doing something which as you're aware that's not something that happens in the therapy space there as long as they're safe enough to be there they're always welcome there but they don't often trust me at the beginning when I say that so when Mabel goes and collects them and then trots them to the therapy room it's like this really warm welcome invitation to the space so it helps with the transitions not just being in the therapy space itself but coming to and from the therapy room it's a really important part of that whole process
1: I can't stop smiling, just imagining like Mabel coming in to collect the kids for therapy. (laughs) And it's like, come on this way, we're going to the therapy space. Oh, it's just, I mean, this whole, episode has just made my heart like really warm and just like my cheeks Mm. are all smiley and it's just I'm using muscles I didn't even know I had in my face it's just so (laughs) wholesome. It is
2: incredibly cute and I, I, (laughs) I get that same feeling if I walk past a classroom that I'm not in but Mabel's in there and I kind of sneak my head over the door and I see a child smiling and stroking her and rubbing her ears and kissing her neck and encouraging other children to be safe with her it it really fills me with a lot of happiness and pride as well I think it is it's a really privileged way to be working and I know that it isn't an option for everybody I know that I'm really fortunate to have been able to got her and to be living somewhere where I can have a dog and things like that I know that that's just not an option for everyone but what I hoped by coming on and Talking with you both would be to open people's minds up to it and the idea that perhaps animals can, especially in cases of trauma and complex trauma and adverse childhood experiences, can really be a containing and a safe and very enriching way of working. And that doesn't mean you have to have a full time therapy dog, but it does mean that you can explore some other options of getting animals into your settings in some way.
1: And I think you've done that really well. I'm, I now want to get a dog and take it to my oh, work.
2: <laughs> I'd love to talk to you more about that anytime. You'll have to come and you, because you haven't met Mabel yet. Not yet,
1: no, but we are allowed to meet in parks now. So I should probably come down for a little walkie and that, that would be, be lovely. Um, but honestly, it has just been so wonderful hearing about Your experience and what led you to actually want to work with children and what led you to want to actually bring dogs into that therapy space. It sounds like it has enriched the process in more ways than we would have ever imagined and it's just been such a pleasure to have you on today to talk about that if there was anyone who was thinking about um, doing drama therapy but loved dogs or wanted to do sort of some qualification in in dog or animal assisted therapy, what would be your advice as someone who's sort of done that by yourself off the bat?
2: That's a good one, you know, and that's something I have been thinking a lot about recently because there is a lot out there for people to volunteer with their dogs and then go into organizations. There isn't actually any kind of official body yet for therapists with animals. And I think that's probably something that needs to be thought about. Um, My advice would be to research the kind of animal you're going to get. So for example, if it's a dog look at the dog breed and find out the characteristics. Ironically, I wouldn't necessarily recommend a sausage dog to everybody. (laughs) They are very needy dogs and they can quite often be quite yappy. So I've put a lot of work into training Mabel so that she doesn't bark too much and things. So I'd say, do your research about the kind of dog. If it's that you're gonna be volunteering, then definitely look into pets as therapy and get yourself trained up and accredited with them because they're a fantastic organization. And I would, you know, if anyone wanted to ask any specific questions, I'm very, happy for you to perhaps share my email in the podcast notes because as you know Veronica I'm very passionate about supporting anyone with drama therapy I think the more accessible it is the more it will be celebrated and brought into different areas of work I don't think there's any organization out there be it for young people or older people that wouldn't benefit from having creative arts therapies in some form so I'm always there to encourage and champion the art form so yeah if there's anyone who's got specific questions about canine assisted therapy or they're interested in getting their own animal I'd be happy for them to contact me
0: fantastic that's perfect Louisa I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and also just opening the conversation because I think just like drama therapy not a lot of people have even been aware that you can use animals in therapy and especially in drama therapy so it's been amazing to have you on to just open up this conversation
2: well thank you both so much for having me and i'm so excited that someone's doing a drama therapy podcast (laughs) and is talking about all the different ways we work and what we do and i look forward to the future episodes and the different people you're going to have on and yeah congratulations to both of you thank you for doing this for our community
1: Thank you. And we do hope to have you back, whether it's more animal assisted therapy or other sort of things, because I think, like you said, there's so much that we are able to do and we can have these conversations for hours and hours and hours. And I guess that's why we, I don't know about you, Sienna, but that's why I wanted to start a podcast because I felt like I was just talking at people and it was time to actually get it into one place where the people who wanted to listen were able to access it. So honestly, thank you so much thank you for coming on it's been amazing thank you thank you for tuning into d therapy space stay safe and keep listening